Late Night Conversations with Patricia Anduli, Monday to Thursday, 10 p.m. till midnight. Legal Conversations. Let's welcome our first A-team guest, Isabel Pretorius. Thank you very much for joining us. Good evening, Patricia. Thank you so much for having me. Now, we are talking about something that I know all too well. I'm not proud to say it, but I'm part of the stats when it comes to divorce and the finances included in that. But I think some people who are considering divorce right now or who are going through a a divorce uh, proceeding are asking themselves certain questions around finances and divorce. And I think, Isabel, maybe you should start off by telling us how important it is for people to consider finances when going into a divorce well that is that is one of the most important things that you need to consider um, because uh, your finances has a big impact on your divorce and um, because a divorce can be so confusing our offices put together a booklet that provides more advice and answers so listeners can download this a free copy of this booklet at www.barnardinc.co.za forward slash divorce. So the first thing that we will need to determine when it comes to divorce and finances is the marriage regime of the parties. So um, just quickly to explain to you, there's three marriage regimes. The most, um, the, the one that everybody knows about, I think, is in community of property. This is the default marriage regime when you do not enter um, or sign an anti-nuptial contract. Then you are by default married in community of property, and then you and your spouse will have one joint estate, which should be divided. We will take in, into account the assets and the liabilities in equal shares. Now, if you are married out of community of property, so in other words, you did sign an anti-nuptial contract without the accrual, then the parties have their own estates and there will be no division at the date of the divorce. They will just part their ways. When you are married with the accrual, now this is when it gets interesting. So a very important thing to remember is that accrual only gets calculated or determined on the date of the divorce. So you can't determine determine it during the divorce. You need to wait for the date of the divorce. So during the course of of the divorce, there is certain remedies um, available um, that you can use. You can, um, we have certain notices that you can issue, like um, if you're married out of community of property with the accrual, we can issue a Section 7 notice in terms of the Matrimonial Property Act. That is a notice that we use for both parties to disclose their entire um, estate. So they they still have their own estates and their estate, their separate estates um, forms part, or what forms part of their separate estates is their assets minus their liabilities. And then the growth, when you, when you work that out on the date of divorce, on the date of divorce, that will be the accrual. And um, so, okay, so Patricia, you want me to talk about the finances more? Well, I'm, I'm glad, firstly, that you've explained the two regimes, especially the fact that uh, those who are married, um, you know, out of community of property with an accrual don't necessarily get the calculations of uh, the assets that are going to be split um, when the divorce proceeding starts, but afterwards. But now let's look at, uh, you know, dividing assets and the debts, because especially yes. those who are married in community of property have uh, the pleasure and the pain of uh, acquiring each other's debts once they get married. 
Mm. Yeah, that that's the problem when when you get married in community of property because you get a joint estate. You are then liable for the other party's liabilities as as well as as you have an um you know uh, a right to the the assets as well. Um, but that's when it when it gets difficult um, because. Also, a, a decree of divorce is, is just enforceable between the parties. The creditors, after you and your spouse have gotten a divorce, the creditors can still come after the other party. So that's what, what makes it so so um, dangerous, actually, um, to put it like that, um, if, if you get married in community of property. But um, to determine the other party's um, value of their estate or their liabilities or their assets, there, there's a lot of ways that we can do it. Um, nowadays, we have a new a new practice where we issue um, um, FDS, that is financial disclosure forms. This is usually in an interlocutory application in divorces that we don't need to talk about now. But um, this form is really exceptional because in this form, we the parties need to disclose under oath what um, assets and liabilities they have, and they need to um, attach documentary proof. They need to list their, any sort of income, uh, whether it's international or, or national. Uh, they need to list everything in, in that form. And that is especially when it's um, opposed divorces or, we, um, or we, we sometimes use it even if we want to settle and we just want to calculate the, the joint uh, estate. Um, and then you can use it's also mandatory in where there's maintenance plans because then we can determine your your um, financial means. You know, Isabel, when it comes to uh, the assets and debts division in a divorce, it's easier um, when you understand the regime that you're in. But there's one thing that a lot of people um, see as an oversight or even a blind spot. Those who have already paid Lobola, so in customary marriages, they automatically, as far as I understand, get into um, a marriage in community of property. if you are in customary law. So they sometimes don't even know that they need to divorce. (laughs) And then Mm -hmm. these assets and uh, liabilities or debts will be divided the same as a marriage within community of property. And I think we should shed some light on this. Mm. Yes, so your your customary law marriages, that's a difficult area. Um, And I feel a lot of attorneys do not have a lot of experience in this area. Um, I, I luckily have dealt with a few of these kind of matters, um, but but you need to know that for a marriage to be defined as a customary marriage in community of property, then there's all of those um, requirements um, as set out in in the in the act that they need to adhere to, and um, a lot of the marriage that um, the marriages that I I dealt with or the divorces did not meet these requirements. So then, the the the, the um, there was no joint estate, but if there is a joint estate, then then it gets more complicated because when you are married in terms of the customary law to your first spouse, um, you are married by default in community of property. Mm. Then, when you want to get married to your second spouse, you can't get married again in community of property because you are married to someone else in community of property. So you have to mar- marry your second and your third and your fourth spouse out of community of property. 
and then this becomes quite a mess <laughs> when it comes to assets and liabilities. <laughs> so is Tim was not all that glorious, especially when it comes to a divorce. Hey, Timas, I'm inviting you to join in on the conversation we are having with Isabel uh, Pretorius, who is an associate attorney in family law department at Bernard Incorporated Attorneys. We're talking finances and divorce. Ask your questions on WhatsApp 0614104107 or you can SMS on 41391. Remember to call in and ask your questions. It's on 0- one one seven one four two double zero six. On that note, we are about to get into the maintenance and child support issue. But before we do, I've got a WhatsApp from an anonymous uh, A-teamer who says, what happens if we are divorcing? And in the divorce settlement, my wife undertakes to raise the child and that a father will contribute towards the child's tertiary education. Later on, the wife comes back and denies the husband access to the child and uh, is now demanding that the father pays the maintenance, which was not part of the divorce settlement. Okay, so, so that's, that's an easy one. Um, you, you just If the settlement agreement is made in order, of course, then that's a court order, and a court order is enforceable. So if the court order states, um, I didn't hear the, the, the entire scenario now, but if the court order states that, let's say, the father was supposed to pay the tertiary education and he um, refuses to do so, then um, the mother can simply just go to court and um, she can um, issue an application for consent of court because the other party is refusing to adhere to a court order. Well, let, so me, let me let me sum it up for you because that's not the case. The case uh, with this question is the when they were doing the court settlement in the divorce, the yes. wife agreed that she would raise the children and there would be no okay. maintenance. And then when the child reaches tertiary education, that's when the father will start taking care of the tertiary education. But then the same mother after the divorce settlement is now saying she now wants the father to start paying maintenance. Uh, despite the fact that that was not in the divorce settlement. And she's also denying the father access to the child. Yeah, so so this this also happens quite often. Um, okay, that's that's two, two different aspects. I'll discuss mm. it separately. The one is the maintenance. Um, so you can say in a settlement agreement, um, I, you don't have to pay maintenance, I'm fine without you. But... You always have the right to approach the maintenance court. But because you're not, you're not talking about um, tertiary education, I'm assuming that the child is now a, um, an adult and no longer under the age of 18. In that event, the child would have to go to the maintenance court on his own without his mother. And he will have to institute an application for maintenance because according to the Maintenance Act, you need to... Um, maintain your your mind or your child until he is um, 18. He's reached the age of majority, or until he is self-supporting. Um, so then, um, you you need to 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 keep on maintaining him. So then, the the child will have to go to court, and the child will have to launch an application against both his mother and his father. Now, the other point that you that you mentioned about contact and maintenance. This is where a lot of a lot of the listeners should now really listen because um, I often deal with this in my practice. Um, contact and maintenance are two different aspects 
of your your uh, care and resp- uh, your care and of uh, your primary um, rights and responsibilities with regards to your children. So just because you can't see your child doesn't mean that that child doesn't need maintenance. And also the other way around, just because that party is not paying maintenance, it does not give you the right to withhold contact to the other party. So in this case, the father can approach the court around uh, being denied to see the child, but also the mother does have the right to now uh, request maintenance. And if the child is older, the child can request maintenance, despite the fact that there was a a settlement. Yeah, so the child is older. The child will have to... um, to approach the court himself, but the child is older, so I don't understand how... He doesn't mention, the the, the ATM doesn't mention whether the child is older or younger, but let's assume if the child was younger, can the mother now change the settlement agreement because of circumstances or not? Yes, so so the Maintenance Act provides for when when your your financial circumstances change. Mm. Let's say the mother loses her job and... She is now on the street with the child. She can't do this alone. The father needs to help. Now she goes to maintenance court and she says, listen, you really need to assist me. I need maintenance from my former spouse. So that is possible, yes. Okay, so the ATMA says that the child is 15 years old, so the mother would need to uh, undertake the, yes, the, the, the change the of the The mother will settlement. do it. And then also from the father's side, the father can approach the children's court for contact. For contact. Excellent. Let's go to a voice note. Hi, uh, good evening, Patricia, um, and your guest there. And um, I would like to agree with her when coming to the issue of uh, customary marriage. Um, a lot of attorneys, they are so clueless uh, when coming to this uh, marriage. You know, even if you can go to them and ask for advice, uh, they really don't know how um, uh, the customary marriage works. But uh, I just want to ask a, a question uh, relating to that, that uh, if you are you are married uh, in customary marriage, in marriage, but you didn't um, uh, register the marriage at home affairs, and then uh, you divorced, I uh, mean, with the wife or the husband, and you find out that uh, the husband, before they got married, had some asset that he had put um, in a trust account. Uh, that belong to his family and then when he got married um, he's just started afresh with the wife and then along the way they divorced without even registering the the marriage at home affairs so in that scenario uh, um, are those people supposed to go uh, 50-50 to split 50-50 and uh, um, will those assets that are in the trust account be attached to that marriage or not that's what I wanted to know thank you bye Thank you very much, Atima. Um, can you respond to that, uh, please, Isabel? Yes, Patricia. So that 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 question is is quite. It has a lot of information. But the first thing that I heard that that calls my attention straight off, um, you know, is is off the bat is that they didn't register it at home affairs. And unfortunately, these days. We, we need to, to register the, um, the customary marriages at home affairs. They, they need that um, certificate that um, is required in terms of the act, and then they need to register. So that marriage will not, you know, be, um, be assessed as a marriage in community of property in terms of customary law. 
Mm, okay, simple as that. Uh, question here. It says, um, my wife and I had a fight in 2017 and she left the house in the same year and does not want to come back. Can I get a free divorce if I apply? We are married in community of property and we have three, we have children. One is 13 and the other one is 19. Okay, so they have three children no, two, and the two wife children, left. Two, two children, children, a 13-year-old and a 19-year-old. The wife left after a fight um, in 2017 and she does not want to come back. So he's asking, can he get a free divorce if he applies? Yeah, so I won't call it a free divorce, <laughs> but he can he can definitely apply for a divorce. So what he will need to do is he will need to know where she is or you will need to trace her by the help of or the assistance of a tracer. Um, and then he will um, need to go to an attorney to draft the summons for him. Um, unfortunately, the estate needs to be um, divided. Or they can put in something else. They can try with the, with the magistrates or the judge um, to, you know, divide the house or something like they want to. Um, but I, I don't... I, I, I won't say that a judge will necessarily grant that because it's not that what is stated in the act. Um, and then he can simply, they can, um, they must serve it on her personally via sheriff. Um, and if they can't locate her, if, if, if you, you have tried everything, you've tried Facebook, you've tried Google, you've tried traces, you've tried everything, then we bring an application. That application we either call um, substituted service or editorial citation. Now, that application we bring to ask the court if we can serve this summons on her via her last known email address, her last known, let's say, Facebook Messenger or Instagram direct message. And then we do it like that, um, and then we go, we proceed with the divorce if she fails to defend. But in most cases she won't, will most likely defend it just to get her piece of the of the joint estate. Mm. Isabel, I think uh, we have had a clear understanding around how important it is for us to consider finances when going through a divorce. And um, the one is always around pension funds. So as we close off our discussion, uh, the retirement annuities and pension funds, those are the ones that get people really heated under the collar. Um, talk to us about how this works, especially for those who are married in community of property or with an accrual. Okay, so pension funds um, in community of property, it's, it's simple. You have a joint estate, so your party is, um, is um, entitled to 50% of the pension interest. Um, so when you, when you, like, let's say, um, let's assume you, you go into a, enter into a settlement agreement, then you must just cite the pension fund correctly. We have certain wording um, in our act. But unfortunately, um, practically these days, each pension fund has their own certain specific wording that they um, that they require us to utilize. So then you must cite it correctly, and then you just state that this is a pension fund in terms of this act, and you just state all of that that's um, clearly described in the act, and you just say that you want 50%. And then at the, when the divorce is granted, you just go and you apply for your 50% to be either paid to you or to be uh, deposited into um, a pension fund in your name. Uh, when you're married out of community of property, 
with the accrual. Now, this is where a lot of people make a big mistake. They think because you are married with the accrual that you are entitled to 50% of your spouse's um, pension fund. That is incorrect. That is very far from the truth. Your spouse's pension fund is an asset that forms part of his estate. And you are only um, entitled to the growth of his estate when you, when you, um, when you look at the both of your respective estates next to each other. So you aren't entitled to 50% of his pension fund. Yes, he can um, withdraw money from his pension fund to pay you, you the accrual, but you are not, um, you are not entitled to 50% thereof. Does that make sense? Definitely makes sense. Well, buyers beware. That's what they say when you're about to buy something new, when you get into a marriage. Um, Know these things so you know what marriage regime to get into that will best suit you uh, for the future. We're not saying divorce should be happening, but it is happening and the stats are quite high. Isabel, thank you very much for joining us and shedding light on this issue. Could you please give us details um, for you at Barnard Incorporated Attorneys? Yes, no problem. So, all of you listeners, please feel free to contact us if you have any um, any issues or, or disputes. Our contact number is 012-001-2739. I'll just repeat that. It's 012-001-2739. Excellent. Thank you so very much for joining us. Have a good evening. Okay. Thank you so much, Patricia. Have a nice evening.